the end, it's here. Happy Friday, friends. It is the end of the fiscal year for Microsoft. I almost said the end of June, but technically it is uh, early July now. Uh, we've we've survived June. We are into July. The cicadas are gone. Uh, life is returning to good. And so hopefully you had a good week and uh, let's just dive in. So before we, we dive into the end of the fiscal year stuff, there is one thing on the horizon that you should be paying attention to. Microsoft actually has an upcoming conference. Now it will be virtual, but Microsoft Inspire is happening July 14th. 14th and 15th. Now, this is a really important event, and I've gone to it several times, but Microsoft no longer invites the press, um, but hopefully that will change maybe one day. But the reason why this is so important is this is their partner conference. This is where Microsoft goes and talks about, hey, this is, these are our bets for the year ahead. This is where you should be focusing your energy and your dollars and your marketing and how you can build out additional services on top of what we do to make more money for you. The reason why it's so important is they broadcast now through some, uh, There's not, it's not completely transparent, but they broadcast broadcast effectively their strategy for the year ahead. And for somebody like myself, this is very important to understand about where we think Microsoft is going to go. And so I'm looking forward to that event. And if you're wondering if there's going to be any news coming out of it, I'm pretty sure there is. There's rumors of a Microsoft marketplace coming online um, for like the MSP channel VAR market if you recognize any of that so be on the lookout we'll see um we'll see what what trickles down the pipeline uh from that but as i kicked it off here microsoft's fiscal year has officially come to the end they've ended fiscal year 21 and they're now technically as of today into fiscal year 2022 which is their year ahead they go from june 30th to july 1 or july 1 to june 30th, um, you, you understand, uh, for their fiscal year, which means that, hey, we're going to see a lot of things shift. Typically, if there's reorgs inside the company, they, they go live starting about now. Uh, Microsoft has had some leadership changes over the past month or so, and there's some people and exiting the company, and that's just normal, uh, you know, large company operations, nothing really, I don't think, too much to read into, at least quite yet. But if Microsoft is going to make some substantial changes to just the way the org operates, now is about the time we'll start hearing about it. And so be on the lookout to see if Microsoft does anything like that. But there's going to be a lot of big milestones that we already know about coming next year. First off, there's going to be the launch of Windows 11. Uh, there's going to be the launch of Windows Server 2022. Uh, we believe there's going to be the, the next uh, on-premise iteration of Office or Office Perpetual, as they call it. So like Office 22 should be roughly launching. We know that there will be new Surface hardware in the fall, more than likely in the spring too, in some capacity. Uh, and more importantly, most excitingly, the return of conferences should hopefully, let's all cross our fingers, be happening. And that's just a really high level look at some things that will be happening uh, in the world of Microsoft as we enter the next fiscal year. Things that have happened, at least something that you should pay attention to, Microsoft has put into public preview this week uh, the ability to rename your SharePoint domain. Now, some people are going to be like, what the heck, this doesn't matter. But if that made any sense to you, this is a really big deal because renaming a SharePoint domain has been uh, like effectively pulling teeth and it's been a terrible process. And Microsoft is making that process much easier. It's still in, uh, not private preview, but it's definitely preview. You've got to apply for it. I bet there's some uh, requirements on the back end to make sure your tenant are applicable for the actual name change change functionality, but I know of some very large clients from Microsoft that have legacy SharePoint names and they've just never updated them because, hey, the process has been a nightmare. And so I'll be curious to see if this feature was created for them and see if those get updated here uh, in the near future. But the big news of the week was very, 
very clearly Windows 11. The first beta dropped on Monday, which feels like a long time ago, but I'm now running it on most of my machines. I'm not going to dive too much into the, the issues uh, relating to compatibility. We all hopefully know the story now, but the, the high-level version right now is that if you have a sixth generation and older Intel chip or a pre-Zen AMD chip, you have no chance at running uh, Windows 11, at least based on what Microsoft has said so far. The big unknown is the seventh generation chip uh, from Intel, and we don't quite know if that is going to be compatible yet. Microsoft has um, not given super clear transparency, but they're figuring it out, and hopefully once they come out with their next update about compatibility, it'll be nice, clear, easy directive to understand, and that there won't be any confusion related to that. Aside from the compatibility issues, I'm running it on this machine right here, a Surface Book 3, and it's fantastic. Like, I don't I don't really have a lot of complaints. Yes, there are some very, not rough edges, because they're all rounded edges, but there's definitely some oddities that, in, it feels beta-y. Uh, what I mean by that is, like, if you use the light mode, for example, the minimize, collapse, and close buttons, um, they're all, you can't see them because they're, they're effectively like wet on white and you can't you just can't see it. That is one minor issue. Yes, the control panel is still there. Not surprising. I don't know if that will truly ever go away because there's some legacy users that just like the control panel and Microsoft is trying to appease the largest possible audience, although not support the largest audience possible. That's a different story. Um, but that is still there. They've done, honestly, though, a pretty good job. Like the one surprising thing to me, at least, is how cohesive the entire OS feels. Microsoft has truly touched all of the rounded corners across the OS in some capacity or another. Yeah, you can find, if you dig way down into the OS, you can definitely find some legacy UI controls. That is for a fact. But I would bet that 99% of your daily operation, at least based on my early you know, use of it, is probably going to be covered by the new UI experience or theming, if you will. Um, I'm, I, it took very little time for me to get used to the center taskbar uh, or center start menu and all that, um, although you can push it back to the left. I just wish that they could figure out something with the system tray. The system tray is like the biggest oddity right now. Not that it doesn't like function fine or look okay. I don't know how to explain it, but it's odd because you have these centered, you have a centered start menu and buttons, and then you just have this stuff hanging over over out here on the right side. I wonder if they'd ever consider, I don't know if they will, but doing what Mac OS does where they put it up at the top top um, with a bar across the top that would be a pretty huge change and I'm not sure if Microsoft would go that aggressive with some of their stuff but it's it's fine like it's fine I think most people are going to be okay like you think it's all going to be all right we can all hold hands and skip off in you know into the sunset um, and I don't think too many feathers are going to be ruffled with this the the biggest one is just going to be the start menu being in the center People will either enjoy it, or if not, it's a couple clicks away to return it to the left side. So uh, we're still waiting to hear the whole IT Pro side of the equation, by the way. And I will say that this was prompted by a question that is coming in for this week. Uh, we don't have the full narrative. The biggest thing we know right now on that side of the coin is that Microsoft is officially moving to one large update per year. They are going to support the consumer version for 24 full months and the enterprise version for 36 months. So that makes it much easier. Basically, you're looking at one um, version update every three years for Windows, which is much more palatable than I think what Microsoft was trying to force through uh, with Windows 10. The other big unknown, in Google has a plan this, is the Android apps experience on Windows 11. Now, we already know that they're coming via the Amazon store, and that's not the best Android experience on the planet, but it's the easiest way for Microsoft to get to that point where they can say, hey, look, we're launching with Android apps. And so the big story, honestly, that came out was that, hey, 
you can sideload Android apps. You can take the APK, you can throw it in there, and it will just run. Well, Google might be trying to do something funky about that because they are now, I believe starting in August, forcing all Google Play apps to switch from APK to AAB, which is a bundled thing um, from Google Play, which might really throw a big wrench into Windows being able to run Google Play APKs. That was the big draw was it's like, oh man, we can't get in the Android store, but we can go get the APK from uh, the Google store and we should be able to hopefully just install it that way. And I don't know if that's going to be the case anymore. So maybe if you really want that stuff, go download a whole bunch of APKs before Google forces that hand uh, to turn over and, and require developers to do that. So uh, moving on to the gaming news of the week here, gaming news, Xbox console supply, uh, as I wrote up earlier this week, if you see one, buy one. That is going to continue to be your best way to get one. I know that's a real obvious statement. If I want an Xbox, I should buy an Xbox. Well, yes, obviously. Um, but if you see one on a store shelf, don't go home and waffle and wait like four hours and then go back to the store to buy one. Like you got to buy one right away because Microsoft, Phil, Phil Spencer very clearly said it's going to be a while before they have a, a just plethora of these things sitting on store shelf. So just keep that in mind. The other big news of the week is that Microsoft is bringing cloud gaming to everywhere if you have an iphone if you have an android if you have a browser it's all available it can all be using their xbox series x hardware from the cloud data centers now and that is a really big deal that kind of got completely glossed over by the fact that windows 11 got dropped it was again a very packed week because microsoft and all their employees were trying to hit all their 630 milestones a lot of things came out early in the week and then the news just really dropped off um, that's kind of like the narrative of the week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're crazy busy. Thursday, Friday, it, it's really dropping off. Actually, I expect that July will be more mundane than, say, June, with the big exception of getting Windows 11 updates. I think that's sort of the, the catalyst that is going to drive a lot of news conversations is hopefully Microsoft will continue to uh, aggressively, I think is probably maybe appropriate, uh, a push Windows 11 builds. Prior to the release of Windows 11, Microsoft was on a roughly weekly basis of shipping Windows 10 builds, sometimes even faster than that. So hopefully Windows 11 will follow a similar trajectory and that we can get more builds, meaning more feature updates and more things to poke around, which will all be very good news. So let's just jump over to the questions of the week. And if you want to submit a question, the best way to do that is to follow me on the Twitters at BDSams. And then I tweet out the link when uh, roughly when I push it live. And so here we go. And I'm going to butcher the first name as I do, which is a tried and true tradition on this podcast. Uh, Alishash, Alishash, something uh, along those lines says, what headset would you recommend for the Xbox Series X for the average consumer? For the average consumer, I would definitely recommend the Xbox wireless headset, 99 bones. Um, the, it's got all the features you could ever want. Like the feature list is not the issue with the headset. The, uh, the sound quality isn't the best. It's not my, it's not, it's not the best. This, you can really get customized in the EQ and you can make it better. Um, but if you're coming from like high end audio, if you're that type of a user, then you might be a bit disappointed. But if you're getting your first pair of, of cans to play Xbox with, the Xbox wireless headset is a good option. Rubberduck says, hi Brad, is the Windows 11 dev channel stable enough to run games or should I wait for a beta release to install on my machine? Um, a couple of people chimed in and said it's been pretty stable for them. It has been relatively stable for me. Now, I'm not running my production machines on it. Uh, granted, this I guess you can consider this a production laptop. Um, I have 
a Surface Book on it, and I have a Surface Laptop for it. And I also have the Surface Arm, uh, the Surface Pro X, the OG, not the Pro X2, uh, or X2, whatever they're calling the second generation one. Um, and it honestly gives some new life back to that Pro X. I think Microsoft did some good stuff with Windows on Arm for this generation that may have just been kind of glossed over because it feels like it, it feels faster. Um, it really does. Now, if it's just a, a home machine that you're using, I think it's probably fine. It's not perfect. People are playing games. Like, it it feels pretty well done. Like, I'm not getting blue screens or now is there black screens of death because Microsoft may have changed some of this stuff. Um, I would not do it anything on that's mission critical or even mostly critical. But if you have a, a laptop that you're just using for web browsing and other stuff and you understand what you're getting yourself into, I think you're probably fine. Tourniquet says, I know the Amazon, Amazon Amazon Android App Store is going to be integrated into the Microsoft Store, but will developers also have the ability to upload their own APKs directly to the Microsoft Store similarly uh, as planned with Astoria back in the day? This is a great question, and I suspect the answer might be yes. The reason why I say yes is that Microsoft has made it very clear that if you bring your own commerce engine, I don't know if Microsoft will natively support um APKs in the Windows Store. That is a good question that we I don't I don't know if we know the answer to. But if you roll your own commerce engine, as Microsoft calls it, you should be able to. I mean, they're letting Amazon do it. I would not, can't imagine that they would restrict it from other people. Remember, Windows 11 is going to come with the Android subsystem for Linux that works in parallel with the Windows subsystem for or sub, Linux subsystem for Windows. Hard to keep all this stuff straight. Um, so I don't know why they would limit that because the technology is already there. And I don't think Microsoft necessarily cares what kind of apps you're running at the end of the day. Uh, Dremi says, hi, Brad. Uh, Paul provides a steady update of what he uses. But as an iPhone and Windows user, I'm curious how you have everything set up. How do you store your photos, iCloud versus OneDrive, store files? And do you synchronize any data between your phone and desktop with iTunes? Any apps that you use, just a couple of items to kick things off. So yes, I do use an iPhone and I do use a Windows PC. Uh, my primary photo apps are two, actually. I use both Google Photos and OneDrive Photos. Reason being is that I don't, I, they both sync. They both do my backup uh, from the device, which kind of gives me a bit of redundancy because Google Photos makes changes. They're not going to start charging for it. Um, I'm typically more syncing data between devices using OneDrive. I actually have a folder in my OneDrive that I just call transfer because it seems to work faster if you try to manually do some things on occasion. So if I have a file that I need to get to this machine or the podcast box or on my phone or wherever, I just drag it into this folder I call transfer and then it will, as magically foretold by the OneDrive gods, it will transfer to all these devices. That is the easiest way I have found to sync things, including sometimes sending URLs. There's still not a great way to send URLs. Uh, occasionally what I'll do is actually it'll send a Teams message to myself. It, it, it works um, with the URL, then I can pull it up. Um, but those are the primary things. I mean, I use Outlook now again on my mobile phone. I use Edge on my mobile phone. And that's really about it. Like I use Twitter and a Reddit app. Uh, it was an Apollo Reddit app. Nothing too fancy. At the end of the day, I mean, it's pretty vanilla stuff, but that's that's pretty much how I transfer it. The OneDrive folder thing, while it is a little crude, it, it works effectively, effectively well. NGC224 uh, says, because Panos failed to meet yet another deadline on June 24th, any chance we will see new hardware before October? I'm not sure what deadline he failed to meet. I don't think there was any hardware that was supposed to be launched here in, the, uh, in, in June. Um, 
Mr. PKI says, it's almost impossible to be the last question anymore. I'll take that as a compliment that more questions keep coming in every week because it's the favorite part of my week. But I will still throw out a tough question. If there is a very low chance that we will ha have access to the Xbox Series X consoles, will we potentially see games not launched or held because they are not, there are not enough consoles to play these on new high-end machines? So, the interesting question. The idea here is, hey... If consoles aren't available on store shelves, what's the point of launching Halo Infinite, for example, um, because people can't buy the games? I don't think, I realistically don't think Microsoft will delay these games. Not because the idea that the consoles aren't there isn't necessarily a plausible theory, but I think Microsoft would take a really big black eye if they delayed games intentionally, specifically because of the hardware issue, which some can very easily say, Microsoft, this is your own fault for not ordering enough consoles um, way back when. Although there's some other external forces that are really driving the shortage, so I don't know if that's necessarily fair. And I think Microsoft would, I would think they would shoot themselves in the foot if they said, hey, we're not going to launch this because high-end consoles don't exist when we have cloud gaming. And then the narrative would be like, well, if you're not launching it because of cloud, because of consoles, does that mean cloud gaming isn't good enough and that you don't want to launch titles and have people play it through there? So I really don't think that they will delay them. I would be shocked if they did it explicitly because of um, console shortage. Microsoft has already said they're launching, what is it, six titles in six months on Game Pass. And so uh, they must feel pretty confident that that is, in fact, going to happen. Uh, an old Amiga user says, considering that the Surface Duo is not a phone as per Microsoft, what do you think the chances that there will be a version of the Duo released with Windows 11 for ARM? So this is an interesting question. Uh, at first I was a little thrown off by this, but if you think about it, the Duo is already running an ARM chip. It's already running a Qualcomm chip. I can't see that it would be significantly harder for them to swap that out with, say, a 7C for the next generation. I don't know if they are truly going to go that route, that we are expecting the Surface Duo 2, I believe, in the second half of this year with a hardware event, and so we will see what Microsoft does. I suspect that they will stick with Android and continue to push that route because it, it builds a nice interoperability story between Windows and Android and the fact that they're launching Android apps on the desktop. The one thing, the one thing that might be super interesting, and we don't know if this will play out, right? Microsoft just announced a deal with Amazon to bring Android apps to the desktop. They have a mobile phone, a mobile device that runs Android. Do you think the Amazon store is going to be on that? I bet there's it's a non-zero chance that that is going to happen. It would make a lot of sense for them, to, if for Amazon to be like, all right, we'll do the desktop thing, but you also got to put us on that little duo guy you got. Uh, and if you ship that Neo thing with Android or whatever you do, um, it should be on there too. I think that would be, not that I think the Neo would, would flip to Android. Um, I think the Neo is going to run Windows 11. I think that is definitely probably the path forward if they bring that device back to market, which I think they will, but I don't know exactly when. Um, it'd be an interesting little little thought process there. Uh, Len Alfred, as he emphasized uh, that I've been misspelling his name. <laughs> uh, any news on the Surface Book 4 yet? Well, like as Will commented, I believe it's going to launch in this fall. I don't know if it's going to be a true Surface Book 4. I, I hear that the form factor is changing. The reason why I hesitate calling it Surface Book 4 is that if the form factor changes. Does it, if, if this screen no longer detaches, and it just flips back like a Lenovo Yoga style device. Does that really a Surface Book? I, I don't. Th I don't personally think it is. So I think they might change its name to something like Surface Laptop Pro, uh, which would make a little bit more sense and be a little bit cleaner in the SKU sheet. Um, so we will see. 
Uh, Will says, do you know if there'll be another Windows 11 event in the coming months, but geared toward business users? Yes, this he tipped me off about the IT Pro stuff earlier in the podcast. We... So they're kind of, Microsoft held uh, a little one for some press and analysts, but they didn't really tell us too much. And so I, what we know so far is the big thing is the servicing, right? But I suspect that just about everything else, like any PowerShell scripts and tools, um, those aren't going to change. The, the biggest thing is really honestly just the servicing. We, Microsoft has said that there is, I'm going to say this with a, a caveat, there is no licensing changes. Um, so that should be effectively the same as Windows 10 and volume licensing should be the same. The SKU should be the same, I believe. But that is maybe the one big difference that we haven't fully heard out yet is the entire SKU, 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 SKU list coming with Windows 11. So that is something we should definitely be on the lookout Marchinus V2 says, uh, Hello, Brad. I was on Game Pass for BC and I bought Fallout 4 with all the DC DLCs. When I heard that I could play from the cloud, I switched to Game Pass Ultimate. I thought I could play my PC Fallout 4 from the cloud, but what I can see, uh, the Xbox Cloud Fallout 4 is not the same as the PC one. Do you know why? Should I go back to Game Pass PC if I don't have an Xbox? Um, I'm not exactly sure why. I mean, I could f emphasize, like, hedge why they're different because the PC version and the Xbox version are different. And I know that Microsoft um, prioritized that cloud streaming is truly Xbox games, not PC games, because Xbox games are built to a very strict confined requirements. Not that PC games aren't, but PC games typically have more uh, resolution and functionality because of things like keyboard and mice and like that. So you got to keep that is an important distinction that depending on how you want to play, if you like the PC version, then I would honestly just play the PC version if you don't think you're going to be streaming it too often. And so it's kind of just a personal choice. But yeah, there are going to be differences between the PC and Xbox version, um, as I just quite literally thought about that in my head as I was doing this podcast, which is sometimes called shooting from the hip. Um, but if you think about it, though, it makes sense, right? The Xbox version is only going to primarily have control. I know they do support keyboard and mouse, but it, the resolutions are pretty pretty locked at the end of the day. Uh, the hardware is known, unlike the PC side, which you have to account for potentially NVIDIA graphics card or maybe even Intel if you're really scraping by, um, or AMD. And those, those pieces of hardware have different forms and functionality to them that are associated with performance. And so the Xbox just sort of gives you a nice, like, hey, this is going to be the same thing across all of them. So that makes it a lot easier to stream. Rock Solid says, uh, I hope you are doing well. This is my first time posting a question. Well, welcome to the podcast question list. Uh, my question is, in a recent report, analysts said mobile games make more money than PC and console. Can you give any idea how much they make in terms of net profit and if that profitability and if that's more profitable uh, than even the big and small studios on mobile games across everything. Okay, so paraphrasing this question. Mobile games make a, a ton more money, we know this, uh, on a per-game basis, at least per my understanding, than, say, a traditional PC or console title. Mostly because I, a lot of mobile games are free-to-play and the microtransactions seem to work exceptionally well on mobile devices, which is where a lot of the revenue comes from, especially games Battle Royale style on mobile devices. Unfortunately, it's nearly impossible to say what their mar revenue margins are because every game is going to be different, but we know that they're pretty high. We know that because they keep putting these games out in very prolific fashion. Look at 
companies like Tencent, uh, they continue to just crank these things out because they have a good model that works. And the reason why I struggle on the margin side is the margins for a company like Tencent are going to be vastly different than a small indie startup launching their game because Tencent has just a massive pool of technology to leverage already, especially in the the mobile arena or the, the battle royale scene. And that makes it significantly easier for them to just slap on um, some you know frameworks, some skins, and some maps, and then they can be up and running. It's impressive how quickly they can launch titles these days. And so uh, it's really hard to understand, but do know that p- companies typically take a lot more make a lot more money on mobile, at least on a per game basis than we have seen typically in the retail space for consoles and PCs. But it's really hard to put like an actual number um, to them. Shark47 says, who is rounding out the week? I'm curious if you're seeing any performance improvement with Windows 11. There was a discussion on Twitter about how much faster on ARM devices, especially. Yes, so I loaded it onto my Surface Pro X, and it is improved. Um, it's hard. I don't think it's placebo. I really don't. But you got to remember, Microsoft puts, put a decent amount of effort into Windows on ARM through the past year, and we didn't see a lot matriculate out to uh, the Surface devices specifically the Pro X. We did get updates here and there, but this has been the first like major Windows update where it feels like Microsoft has actually done something significant. And so if you have an older Surface Pro X like myself or just a Windows on ARM device, you might want to go ahead and bite the bullet and put Windows 11 on there because it, it feels snappier. And there's minor touch improvements. Microsoft didn't go like crazy with Windows uh, 11, like gestures and swipes and all that stuff, but they basically matched everything that happens on a trackpad, happens on the screen, which makes it very easy to use. And the touch targets, I believe, have been uh, made bigger, which makes them easier to, well, touch and tap and all that stuff. And so uh, it's definitely worth a while. And I think because so many people have said, yeah, this feels snappier. Um, I, d- I think it's more than placebo, so I have definitely fallen into that bucket of Windows 11 adding or re- revitalizing uh, the Service Pro X line, uh, if you will. So that wraps it up for this week, guys. Just a lot of good questions, a lot of things that keep me on my toes and some things to look into, like those Xbox and PC games streaming from the cloud um, and just the margins and that kind of stuff gives me something to ponder and look into over the weekend, which means it is also a holiday weekend in the U.S., which means news in the following week is going to be a little bit slower than usual. And then piled on top of that, it was just the end of the Uh, fiscal year for Microsoft, which means things are going to be even slower. So I'm not expecting a whole lot to come out next week. But if you want to be informed about what does come out next week, make sure to keep it subscribed here because the only BS on this podcast is me.